good morning. It's good to see you. Uh, if you are here today, uh, you are here at the start of a movie, all right? So this is the start of the series, uh, the start of the story, the start of the conversation. And so if you're here, yeah, congratulations, all right? You made the beginning, all right? So you get to hear kind of where we're going to go. I, I love that uh, kind of interlude because that kind of gives us a good picture, kind of a good voice. And I, I wish I had that kind of, you are different. Uh, just every time I hear that, I'm like, yeah, I love it. I'm different. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to do the Gollum voice. I love it. I love it. And, and it's such a good feel for what we're going to be talking about for the next uh, four weeks. Uh, we're going to be studying the, the book of First Peter. Uh, and so if you're uh, one of, uh, if you're like me, uh, one of the things I like to do is like fact check and make sure like what we're talking about is really in there. So, so I encourage you over the next four weeks to just uh, pick up First Peter and like uh, let that be something that you're reading through, the conversation that we're having and something that you're like almost ready for. You're like, yeah, I've read that. Ooh. And like you're a little ahead of the class, all right? And some of you will love that. Some of you will not pick it up, and that's okay. All right, that's okay. But I encourage you for some of you, just uh, check out First Peter as we're uh, having this conversation over the next four weeks. Uh, we're really going to be diving into this concept, though, that, that maybe there is something that, as a Christian, we're called to uh, that really sets us apart. And it really determines a little bit of why sometimes there's so much friction and why sometimes there's so much uh, feeling like comparison is just a horrible tool uh, for figuring out how we're supposed to live when we're trying to compete and compare and get our lives in the same way as a lot of the people around us. Because obviously, uh, there is a different way to live that full life is found. Uh, there's a different way to live that full life is found. And so when we say we're all about finding full life, pursuing full life here, uh, I really want to uh, tell you that takes a different way of living. It takes a different way of living. And so as we dive into 1 Peter, I want to encourage you uh, to listen and, and let this be a conversation uh, in your home between maybe you and your spouse, maybe your roommates, uh, maybe your friends, uh, maybe even in just in internally to, to ask the question, like, do I really stand out? Am I really making choices that really would set me apart? It would really reveal that I am living a different kind of life, that I'm not trying to compete or compare, that I'm actually revealing a deeper calling, a deeper fullness, a deeper uh, salvation and life that has been placed inside of me. Am I living in response to that? Does my marriage reflect it? Do my friendships, does my home, does my family, does my job, does everything I do reflect that I am called to be and live different? Different, however you need it to stick in your head, all right? So let's dive in and let's look at First Peter, and we're just going to start with just a couple verses right at the beginning, and this is just a good indication. Peter is uh, kind of got a bad rap in the church. Can we be honest? All right, so as I read this, I want you to, to know, most of you in here, how many of you think Peter is like the bumbling idiot of the apostles? All right, just speaks first, uh, you know, kind of thinks last you know, kind of gets his sword out before he has his mind out. You know what I'm saying? Uh, this, is, this is Peter's reputation. All right, how many of y'all are battling a previous reputation? All right, nobody wants to raise their hand. Uh, yeah, I yeah, am, but I don't want to talk about it. All right, we all have a little bit of a previous reputation, all right? And so uh, Peter has a previous reputation with a little bit of a bonehead, all right? So most of us, when we pick up First Peter as we're starting, all right, you, you literally are thinking, what can this bonehead teach us? Right? Especially if you grew up in the church. You're like, all right, let's listen to what not to do. Let's read First Peter, all right? But this is a little bit later. This is years after uh, Jesus has risen from the grave, has placed the Holy Spirit in the, inside the apostles. They are living. Living out, they are willing to die for the message that they have, not because they have just heard about it or they're hopeful for it, because they have seen a risen Savior. They have experienced a risen Savior. They have watched Jesus come back, and so they are convinced 
100% to their grave that they are for it, and there's a message of hope worth living for. And so he is sold out. And so this guy that was a bumbling in it has been transformed and is now moving towards this incredible thing, and he has wisdom and knowledge that he is trying to impose, or impose, uh, impart, <laughs> impose, impose, impart onto uh, the, the churches all around the area of Rome and all around the area of Jerusalem. And so he is just pushing this wisdom out and calling them. And in the midst of that, this nation of Rome, this, this kind of empire of Rome, is in a midst of a crazy section of history. Uh, if you're aware of who Emperor Nero is, if you've never done a little Roman history, Emperor Nero is a crazy guy, all right? Crazy. And he is reigning in, in 60 to kind of 67, 68 AD, and he has got just some crazy stuff about him. But one of the things that he lo- wanted to do is he loved to build. He was a he was an artist and a creator, and he loved to build. And so the city of Rome itself was kind of okay on one side and really bad on the other. And so he was building up one side, and he wanted to rebuild the really bad part of Rome. But the problem is everybody around him, including the Senate and all the government, said, no, you can't do it. You can't do it. And so what does he do, or at least what history records him doing, is he lit the city of fire or lit the city of Rome on fire. And he let it burn. And it burned for, for nine days. In fact, there's an old joke that said, uh, because he was a musician, that Nero played the fiddle while, while Rome burned. The only problem is that's not historically accurate because there was no fiddles back then. <laughs> but that's the joke. That's the joke because he was, he was a person that just wanted what he wanted and he was going to take it. Now, rather than all of the hardship for this, he did the crazy thing, and you can look this up. I, I encourage you to look this up. It is even crazier than what I can explain. He blamed it on a small, radical, new group of believers in the way. Yeshua of Jesus. And he blamed the fire on them. And so in an instant, he lit a match on Rome, and he lit a match on the persecution of the early church and it exploded and he was to to the degree of persecution that you and I would just go there is no way we can even imagine I read I read a part and I've heard it said before and I'd read and looked it up he had this one party that he took Christians dumped them in wax and then lit them up high on pillars as human candles as the party went on. So, why am I telling you that gruesome thing? Why am I telling you about this guy that lights the persecution of the church? Because then, of course, the Colosseum comes. Mass enslavery, mass rape and murder, mass persecution breaks out and across the entire empire of Rome. Why am I telling you that? Because that's the context that First Peter is written in. A.D. 64, and the few years following. And this is where we read Peter. And so as you read this, and we talk about this whole letter, I want that to be the backdrop. Because it's so easy when we read what Peter's going to say today as something that we go, yeah, 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 but you don't know my story. You don't know my story. So let me introduce Peter's letter, and let me... uh, give you the full picture of why what Peter is going to say I think is going to reach deep into our own lives 
maybe in a way we didn't imagine that it could still all these years later. Here it is. This is, an, this is the letter from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to God's chosen people who are living ooh, as foreigners in the, pro, in the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Blythenia. Now, here's the crazy thing. That word foreigners actually means like six different things in English. There's a translation of the word. I couldn't even say it in Greek. That's why I didn't put it in there. I, I learned it, but it's like 12 letters long. It starts with the letter A. It's like massive letter, but it has like six different translations. But it's like alien, foreigner, misfit, standout, and one of the last ones is just different. And so the first thing he says, no matter where you grew up, no matter if you were born in Mount Vernon or you moved here, you are a foreigner if you are under Jesus Christ. You're a foreigner. And then just a few verses later, he explains why that's important to know. Verses 6 and 7, this is what he says. So be, be truly glad, therefore. Wonderful joy is ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show your faith is genuine. Now imagine the context for who he's writing to. The joy set before you is so wonderful. I know things are bad right now. The trials are happening. But hold on, because it proves that your faith is genuine. Is that what it takes for my faith, for your faith, to be proven genuine? And is the joy really that much greater? Is there really a hope that's out in front of you and I? that's absolutely worth it? And have you had a taste that you believe it could be so? And I know for many of you in here, when I bring up the idea of trials, tribulations, challenges, hardships in your life, uh, that just, just brings like a cloud of darkness. <laughs> like just flying in. You are Eeyore in Wood of the Pooh quicker than you know what to do. You just, yep, here we go. Just sit under this cloud and paint a picture how sad things have been, how hard things have been, and how dark things are. And then there's another group of you that you're the pull yourself up by your bootstraps, people. Harder it gets, you're like, I got still do it one time, right? I'm not as good as I once was, but I got this one one more time, all right? And then there's another group that just totally collapses. You wallow, you try to do it on your own, or you just give in to despair, and you just say, it's, it's hopeless. I don't know your situation, but I know enough of the situations in this room to know that challenges are challenging. Trials are trying. And life is hard sometimes. So as I'm talking about this subject, I wanted to give you the context for Peter's audience because I don't want to downplay your pain. I don't want to downplay your situation. I don't want to pretend like I know all the details or I know what's going on in your life. I don't want to even undermine that it's, it's painful. It's one of the things we say, I've said multiple times up here, uh, pain is painful. <laughs> I 
Trials are hard. I'm not trying to undermine that, but I do want to instill in you what Peter is trying to say about what it means to live different in the midst of your trials, what it means to have a different perspective, what it means to see what you're going through in a different way that displays and creates in you something that you maybe are not expecting and did not know what was going on. Now, why are trials so hard? Have you ever thought about this? Why are trials so hard? And particularly, let's just be honest, if you've been following Jesus for a long time, or you've never followed Jesus, or maybe you walked away from Jesus, why are trials so hard on our faith? Have you thought about that? Why are trials so hard? the first place that we just run to of just like, oh, I don't know. Why is it so hard? And, and I want to just say that sometimes, sometimes trials reveal a false faith in us. Sometimes trials just pull out a false faith in us, and it does a good job of kind of laying back and opening up the layers of kind of what we've hid behind. And so sometimes why trials are so hard on our faith is because there's a false faith. There's a pretend layer that kind of is revealed when, the, when things get hard. Let me give you a couple of examples of what this false faith could feel like or look like. Maybe you've experienced this when you get into a hard time and you're trying to believe, you want to believe, you watch other people around you believe, and you're like, how do I do this? What can I be? The first one is this. It's just, it's inherited faith. When you get in trials and stuff, you just go, all right, mom, it worked for you, but you didn't go through this, and I'm out, <laughs> Right? You're like, you know, that worked for my family, but I'm just telling you right now, they never went through this, and so I'm done. I'm out. Or, you know what, Mom, you learned how to pray, and that's awesome, but I didn't really learn how to do that, and the, the relationship, so you know what, I'm, I'm good. And you experience all of a sudden where you realize your faith may not be something of your own. Your faith may just have been inherited. How about the second one? Uh, your faith may be shallow, Man, those awesome stories you learned when you were three and five and ten in, in, kids, in kids' church, or maybe even some of the songs that you sing on the radio, all right, they're not bad. They're not something I want to be beat up on, but I'm just telling you, sometimes in the dark nights of the night, you know, when things get really, really rough, you're not just going, Jesus loves the little children. That's all I needed. <laughs> I mean, you needed more, and you needed answers. And when things get hard and you have bigger questions— the way I love, I love this, the way that it's explained is, is the idea of like when you're 10, you answer questions differently, you get questions answered differently than when you're 20. And when you're 20, you should have answers different when you're 30. All right, let me just explain this to you. Uh, look at me. Uh, where do babies come from? What do you tell a 5-year-old versus a 10-year-old? And what do you tell a 10-year-old versus a 15-year-old? All right, what do you tell a 15-year-old? You're not lying to any of them, Right? But if you kept that five-year-old answer to your 25, just saying, you walk into the doctor, you're like, when does the stork show up? Is it like a couple days, months? Oh, oh, it's different. Oh, it's different. And the shallowness of your answers, the shallowness of your faith all of a sudden is revealed. And, and, and what ends up happening is it's destructive and it's hurtful and, and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not what I knew. It's not what I, it's not what I understood. I, I don't get it. And the shallowness is revealed in the moments all of a sudden where you know your answers aren't quite what they need to be and your faith is revealed as shallow. How about the last one? 
This is probably the one I fall under. It's conditional. Uh, whenever I experience uh, trials uh, in any area of my life, let's just go with sports. All right, it's an easy one for me. I love sports till I lose. Right? Let's just be. Anyway, here, here. Who hates sports in here? Just raise your hand. Just, just give it to me right now. Who hates them? All right, nobody. You know why? Because it's football Sunday. Nobody. Nobody in here. All right. Chiefs lost. All right. You all be like, I hate sports. All right. I'm serious. Like, even the Chiefs fans in here, come tomorrow, come Tuesday, all right? It's a stupid game. It's a stupid game anyways. Stupid. And it's the truth when it's conditional. Anybody in here been married? Yeah. I don't even say anything, all right? Just say that. Friendships that way too sometimes. Isn't it easy to have friends when you guys like all the same things, want to go to the same places, never talk behind each other's back? Life is good. You ever have a friend come to you and say they need help, and you're like, eh, eh, I don't think our friendship's there yet. You know, I'm more like a pick you up from the airport, not like help replace something in your car, friend. It's more conditional. I, I really, I, I feel this in my heart, where God is calling me to full life, but yet I'm not willing to give full in to what he's calling me to. Oh, that hurts. That he's calling me to something grand and large, but yet I give him something small and offering him something that doesn't cost me much. And then when it starts to hurt at all, I'm like, God, it's not worth it. <laughs> I'm not in. I'm just kidding. I'm done. <laughs> I'm out. And I wonder if sometimes there's not a chipping away in my own heart, and maybe yours, that God's trying to reveal where you're really at and where your faith is really at. Because the truth, if you hear nothing else I say today, is this. And hear me when I say this. Uh, faith that is tested is faith that is trusted. Faith that is tested is faith that can be trusted. Faith that is tested is faith that can be trusted. You ever watched somebody? I know, look, you ever watched a marriage go through something hard and come out glowing? You ever watch that? The trust that is in there, the intimacy that's built up, two people fighting so hard to believe in each other to want to love, to calling each other to a higher standard, not out of selfish desires, for the other person to grow. You ever watch that happen? Oh, it's a magic thing. Powerful thing. How much more is it that our Heavenly Father would walk with us, would sit with us, be patient with us, and allow us to go through things that would grow us. Allow things to happen that sometimes would be hurtful and damaging. Look, he's not standing on high. He's sitting on a cross. He's not calling you from a place on a glowing mountain with perfect. No, he's calling you from a place of pain and torture to say, yes, I know in this world there is pain. Believe me. But we'll get through this together. 
I am with you. Not with you as in on high, but with you as in next to you. With you as in in pain. With you. With you as I have suffered. With you. With you as I know the cost. I have seen what sin can do. Yours and the people around you. Could it be that those trials are revealing the very hope, the very relationship, the very full life that we are calling to, to walk in that is different than the and the hurts of this world? Could it be the very thing that's stripping away? Painfully, yes, but giving us focus, incredible focus on a different way to live, a different way to see the world that really, really matters. So how does God use these trials? Some of you want specifics. <laughs> I'm just going to be real because you're like, all right, I'm going through one, but I'm going to need more than a pep talk. All right? I'm going to need more than my faith is tested. It can be trusted. I get that. Cool. But how does he use them? That is a complicated answer. I just got to be real with you. I've studied this a lot. I, I have spent time researching this, listening to podcasts, listening to sermons, reading books. I have spent time asking the question about pain and trials and hurt and addiction and, and just broken relationships, broken marriages, uh, separated families, lost loved ones, hurt, cancer. I mean, I have spent Time, because I know in my deepest heart that I want my faith to be able to withstand those things. And it's hard sometimes to know if you will before you go through it. I'll just be honest. It's really hard to know. But sometimes encouragement can come by just knowing how God chooses to use those. How God can use those. If he can use a cross to bring hope, believe me, he can use your story. He, believe me. Believe me. He can. Here's a couple things that I think are worth pointing out by how God uses trials. The first one is this. Trials reveal where you're at in your faith. Trials reveal your faith. If you're not sure where you're at, just wait for the car to break tomorrow. All right? Wait for so-and-so to get really sick. Wait for something. Wait for that big argument. Not the small one, the, the big one where you don't talk for a little while. Wait for something to happen to something innocent. Wait for something difficult to clap, clap its hands around you and to not let go, an addiction. And in the midst of that, you'll find where your faith is. It's where your faith is really at. Can you imagine a weightlifter uh, coming into the weight room and just staring at weights and saying, I can lift those? Can you imagine that? Just picture that, all right? Walk in, you go to work out, right? How many of you guys are trying to work out right now? All right, yeah, I'm not yet, but I will be soon. This is my shirt almost doesn't cover. I put this on this morning. I do that test. Anybody else do that test? You put your hands above your arms in front of the mirror, and you're like, oh, <laughs> I guess I'm going here today. <laughs> all right? But you go to work out, all right? You go in the workout room, and you just go buy the equipment, and you're like, totally could handle it. Yeah, I've done it. Easy. Watching somebody over in the corner doing some sort of burpee thing. You're like, that's be easy. You know, somebody running like 20 miles on the treadmill, and you're like, done it. Could totally do it. I've walked 20 miles in my life. I mean, come on. Right? It's silly. It's so silly, but yet somehow, somehow in our faith, 
We like to pretend that faith just gets strong. <laughs> we, we like to pretend that like our faith is just strong, just naturally comes out of the womb, just going, booyah, right? I got this. And like, there's a part of me that's like, yes, you have the Holy Spirit. Yes, you have access to the power of God. Yes, you have Jesus. Do you know how to wield the thing? You ever seen a two-year-old try to walk? Just because he got the body from God doesn't mean he's over there going, boo, 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 right? You got God, you got the Holy Spirit in you. You still got to learn how to work with it. You're still in a relationship. He's still going, hey, how would you like to work today? I'd love to work through you. I'd love to do some things. Can you hear my voice? Here, let's go, let's do this together. And you're going like, what are we doing? I don't understand. But yet somehow we believe our faith is just developed strong from the beginning. We just think that we, we come out of the womb, we come, we come to church a few times, we do a couple reps. Can you imagine just coming once a week to work out and just going, you know, I just don't see any improvements. Every gym guy's going, what? <laughs> Dude, one hour a week? I mean, it's something. I mean, it's not nothing, but I mean, what does that look like? To exercise your faith. And I believe me when I tell you this right now, something falls on your chest. Something gets heavy in life. You're not staring at it anymore. You're under it. You're in it. You feel it. Every random verse, every song on the radio, every kind word someone says, you're like, yes, I'm holding on to it. Holy smokes, Jesus, tremble. You make the darkness. You can feel it. I'm telling you, it's real. Faith, when it's tested, is revealed. It's revealed for where you're at. And look, some of you got crushed when something hard hit. You got crushed when something hard hit. And that can be difficult. And I'm not trying to downplay again. I'm not trying to pretend like we're supposed to be the people over here. Pick yourself up by your bootstraps. I'm just telling you right now that if you're not in a battle, you should be preparing for one. Prepare for the battle that you're not yet in. Can you imagine if I went to a competition to lift something and I'd never practiced once, but I saw a bunch of people around me going through some hard things and lifting difficult things, and I'm over here just going, I'm good. I'm good. This isn't a fear-induced thing. This is wisdom. This isn't anxiety-based. This isn't you going, oh, something bad's going to happen. No, this is just you going... In this world, there is trouble. I don't get on the news and go, man, things are getting better. I get on the news and I go, Jesus, come quickly. But until then, let me read this verse for you out of Luke. This is Jesus talking to Peter, which is always, always fun to read this, right? Simon, Simon, Simon. Anytime, or Simon, Simon. Satan, anytime Jesus repeats something like that, that, that means cue up. Yeah, as a parent, you still use this tool. Look at me, look at me, right? Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. Ooh, he has asked permission. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned your back, strength, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. That is something that Peter received from the very mouth of Jesus 
understanding the concept that we just talked about. Readying himself that there is someone out here that is in charge of this world, that is not interested in your success, that is not interested in how weak you are or how strong, but just wants to destroy you. John 10.10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That is the very words before I have come to have life, give you life and life to the full. The faith is tested. It's a part of what we're going through because we're different. We're foreigners. We're under a new king. The last one, I'll just say, like I said, there's so many more than this, but just two. What God is doing when he uses your trials. The second one is this. Trials draw you closer to God. I have not been closer to God than when things get rough than any other time in my life. And I know that is a scarier thing to think about because you're like, really? But I'm telling you, until God is all you have, you won't know he's all you need. And I believe that to my core. And it is so hard for me to remove every other distraction, every other thing in my life until I don't have it or I don't see it or I'm not focused on it. But it's true. It's true. And though trials are painful and they may strip us of things that are beautiful and awesome and they may call us to places we don't want to go or demand things of us that we don't want to give up or we don't even know we have, I promise you we serve a God that has perfection waiting, has been perfected through the grave and who has power that never ends and you can rest if you draw close. You can. And what's crazy is, you know, Paul says it like this, you know, peace that surpasses understanding that only happens when you draw close to a God in the midst of a firestorm in the midst of heartache and brokenness and you're so close to God that you go it's okay everything's going to be all right I imagine it, it, it's like my, my son when we go to the pool you ever taught a kid how to swim isn't that one of the most terrifying things in the entire life here go into the substance that you can instantly drown in Let's just pretend like you're supposed to live in it. Here we go. Let's go. Yeah, you barely walk. Let's waddle around in this stuff. All right? I'm getting a little bit more buoyant, so that's helping. But you get in the thing, right? You ever watch this happen? They get a little further from you? We had this happen just uh, last, last summer. Walking in a creek bed. Hanging out. Crawdads everywhere. So, of course, everybody's freaking out. And we're just walking along, walking along, and I had a friend with me, and uh, lo and behold, I turn around, and uh, my friend is holding Jace up in the air like this. And I'm like, what happened? He's like, he just stepped in a hole and just disappeared. And I was like, whoa, 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 what was that? You know, what just happened? And, you know, and he's like, yeah, he just stepped off the edge here. There's a little edge, and he just, whoop, gone. I had my back turned. So as a parent, you're like, cool, anxiety attack. We're never going to the creek again. All right, we're just going to stay on dry land like we're meant to be. All right, unless we have an ark. All right, but what's crazy is my son attached to this person. You know, the next time they hung out, it's almost like a, thanks, man. <laughs> He's five. <laughs> He's still like, dude, thank you. <laughs> I was huge. <laughs> And in my, in my moments, look, there are so many pitfalls in this life. So many things you can get yourself in trouble in. So many things that you, somebody else's decisions can get you in. So many things that are not even...
choices. They're just things that happen because this world is broken and fractured and it is not your home. It's not your home. And in that moment, God is trying to call you to your home and he is the place that your home begins. And he is placed inside of something inside of you that calls you to something different, calls you to something more. In those times of pain, we release ourselves and we cling to what we know is real, what we know is right. It really brings hope. Peter says it like this in the very first is following seven, or six and seven that I read at the beginning. Your love, you love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him. And you rejoice. Think about the people he's saying this to. You rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. You were not meant to find this place comfortable and fully satisfying. You are called for something different. And in trials, you find that where your trust lies, your faith lies, is revealed. And when you draw closer to God, you find where you were really meant to be all alone. And it is a different kingdom, a different calling, and a different life that will lead to the fullness. Wherever you're at in your trials, I hope you will choose to cling to God. You will reach out to those around you, be strengthened by them, and remember that God never wastes your pain. Your faith is being tested, but it will be trustworthy all the more at the end. Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to study your word, to listen to how Peter has continued to minister over all these years and that he continues to reveal what he is doing, what you are doing in us and what you have done years ago. And God, I just pray that we would have the courage, we would have the strength to just turn to you, to believe that you are trustworthy, to cling to you in our hardships. Lord, thank you for the hope of salvation, that death has been conquered. There is nothing that can steal that from us, that we can have hope that one day we will go home. Lord, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his love. Thank you that we can be here together. May we follow you. In your name we pray, amen.